You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe. I'm the Lonely Diplomat, and you've pressed play on episode 53 of the Lonely Diplomat podcast. Thank you, and welcome. Before we get into this episode where we're going to talk about hitting rock bottom, I want to do two things. Firstly, I want to acknowledge and pay my respects to the elders of the Ngunnawal people, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this episode was recorded, edited and uploaded. I want to, ed- I want to extend that acknowledgement to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. Secondly, This content is, well, the content of this episode, dear listener, is not one that will make you do cartwheels. It's not one, it's not content that I feel will be widely shared throughout the global diplomatic community. I don't think many people within networks will be going, oh my, you really need to listen to this because the content of this episode, this particular episode, is tough. So I'm going to say that you've pressed play on this episode because either you have been or you are at a rock bottom as you live your life, as you live your diplomatic life. So I'm really keen to make sure that you're well supported through this episode. So before we jump in to the the episode, I want to just invite you to make sure that you're feeling comfortable. You're somewhere where you're not going to be disturbed too much. It's just you and me having a conversation. So whether that means that you grab a cup of coffee or indeed you grab yourself a cup of tea, um, like I am right now. I've got a pot of tea made and I, it's just sitting and, and brewing for a moment before I pour it. Because this is content that needs, well, well, needs, um, consume the content however you want, listener. Do it while on a run, do it while doing a thousand errands or playing in the background as you're vacuuming and you can't really hear it. Do it, like listen to it how you want. But my invitation to you is to get somewhere for just a few minutes as we go through the content of this episode and just sort of really allow it to sink in. Grab a pen and paper, pencil and paper, get yourself comfortable, take your shoes off, sit on the couch, really sort of settle in for a moment. And let me talk to you rather than at you. So it's really important on, a con- on, on content as challenging and um, confronting as hitting rock bottom that we're in a place where we can actually hear what is being said. So if you're feeling busy or stressed or pulled in lots of different directions because of work or life or work life or life and work or whatever it is, come back to it. But this is content where you and I are going to have a chat. Okay, so if you're still here, I'm going to imagine that you're nicely comfy and you've like your, your tea, just like mine is right now, has, has brewed and... <laughs> There we go. That was probably an unnerving um, sound there. It was, I promise, tea pouring into a cup. But let's explore rock bottom. Because I know that 
many of you, the reason that we're exploring this is that many of you, indeed, I'm struggling to think of exceptions to this, have reached out to me for my help, support, guidance, my mentoring services, because you've hit a rock bottom. And I've been thinking and reflecting over the last little while about why that is, why you wait for that. And then I was in in part of that reflection really quickly when I asked the question, why do you, you, listener, why do you wait until you hit rock bottom? And then I'm like, hang on, why do I wait until I hit rock bottom before I reach out for help, support, advice, all the stuff? Why do I do that too? That's more the question. And so let's reframe the question, why do we, you and me, why do we really wait until we hit rock bottom before we reach out for help. But let's explore what rock bottom is. Rock bottom has been described or defined by the Collins Dictionary as if someone has reached rock bottom, they are in such a bad state or so completely depressed that their situation could not get any worse. Maybe I've just been working on legislation for too long, but that feels to me like a really clear definition from a dictionary. Maybe I've been looking at legislation or or looking at legal definitions, um, but that seems really clear. And that's why I went with it in the blog post. And for me, I'll add on top of that, that rock bottom is the absence of choice or alternatives. And it's a place where we have a long night or long nights of the soul. And it's a powerful, well, it's a scary place. It's a terrible place because there are no other options or choices but to be where we are confronting our stuff. The thing that we have possibly been ignoring, denying, wishing away, not paying attention to for a period of time and rock bottom, long night of the soul means that we've got no other choice but to be with it. And it's an uncomfortable place to be. While it's an uncomfortable place to be, it's also a really powerful place to be because we have an absence of choice. We have an absence of awareness. Speaking frankly, all the bullshit has been stripped away and what we're left with is truth. That truth might be inconvenient. That truth might be messy but it is the truth. And once we accept that truth, we then, which is really the only thing that we can do, once we're at rock bottom, we can only accept it, then all of a sudden with acceptance rather than denial or hoping that it wasn't there or ignoring or whatever the thing that we've been doing, with acceptance comes power. And that's why rock bottom is a place of despair, but also hope. It's a place, as I said, that is powerful because then we accept the truth. And then with that, we can then make changes based on that truth, inconvenient, messy, or otherwise. But when you reach out for me, dear listener, when you want my guidance, my mentoring, for a particular part of your diplomatic life. 
I have noticed that there tends to be a few reasons why you reach out to me. And I'm going to share those reasons with you because if you're listening and you haven't reached out to me for my input, my advice, my services through my mentoring services, then you'll perhaps see yourself in this too. And and it's in this regard that I hope this serves and supports you. You tell me a couple of different things. You tell me that you were worried about the competitive nature of your workplace and the need to be resilient. So you ignored, you denied the thing that was gnawing away at you and you wanted to keep the facade, the veneer, the appearance of being resilient, sufficiently resilient to live the diplomatic life. You wanted to be a competitive, remain a competitive candidate for postings, for promotions, for opportunities to showcase your awesomeness in a phenomenally competitive workplace environment anyway, in a workplace culture where so many people are smart, are ambitious, and are keen, as keen as you are, to make a positive impact in the world. That environment, that competitive environment, where the need to appear resilient is often the reason why you say that you don't reach out for help and support, or you do it in a way to maintain the appearance of resilience. You also say that you didn't think it, whatever the stuff is, whatever the thing is, wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't, you know, it was, sure, it was a problem, but it wasn't that bad. And so you didn't reach out any period of time earlier for advice, for support, because, yep, it wasn't that bad. You know, it nagged at me, but, you know, I'm tough. I can, I I thought I could tough it out. It wasn't that bad. Other people had it worse than me. And I was like, ah, ah, competitive comparisons. That was competitive comparisons there, where... You know, when, whenever you compare yourself and your particular thoughts and feelings within you against someone else, you're engaging in comparative behaviours. And whenever we engage in comparative behaviours, we can always find ways that we lose. We can always find ways that, we, that someone somewhere in the world, in the history of the world, has had it worse than us. And so we'll save the help for them. That's what that talks about. Similar to that is the statement, I didn't want to be a burden. And remember, I've, I've covered that on previous content on the Lonely Diplomat podcast. And I'm just going to call that really frankly, because that's bullshit. That I don't want to be a burden narrative thing, shtick, is crap. You're allowed to take up space. Your thoughts and feelings are worthy of care and attention from you and those who you feel are have earned the right to um to 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 be part of but i didn't want to be a burden kindly and lovingly it's crap the other thing that i hear from you is that you have been holding out hope that circumstances outside of your control will fix it no circumstances sort of range from perhaps, you know, a significant other will make a decision 
that you didn't have to make a decision yourself. Um, your boss or someone somewhere in your employing agency will make a decision and kind of a, an unintended consequence was to fix whatever was troubling you or at least kick the can sufficiently down the road so you didn't have to deal with it then and there. Or that can be, you know, someone within your bureaucracy, someone within your government making a decision, change of government perhaps. Or, you know, something like, well, maybe an asteroid would hit the Earth and I wouldn't have to make a decision. You'd been holding out hope that other circumstances will resolve it, will fix whatever has been um, troubling you. And then I just get statements like, I was scared. I was scared that of what came next. If I accepted it, if I allowed it to be, what would that mean for me? What would that mean for my mental, emotional, sorry, mental, emotional, physical, social well-being or a combination of all of those well-beings? What would that mean for me? What would that mean for my career? What would that mean for my family? What would that mean for my friends? What would that mean for, you know, the world as I know it? Because I didn't know what would come next. I couldn't work that out, so I didn't reach out for help. And then sometimes, just sometimes, someone says it in a way that encapsulates all of the above. All of the other reasons that, that the common reasons that I get, the competition, the need to be resilient, didn't think it was that bad, didn't want to be a burden, holding out hope that circumstances will change things. And fear, someone says, essentially, words to this effect, or indeed these words, I didn't think that I was worthy of that support. That's a pause there to let that sink in, because that is undeniably tragic. That is sad. That makes me sad, and I wonder if that sort of hit you in the feels too. Because I can say this till I'm blue in the face. You are worthy of love and support. I am worthy of love and support. But gee, if you're like me, I can convince myself that I am so unworthy of that love and support that... I just won't reach out for help. And for me, it's the unworthiness of love and support that kind of manifests, presents itself in other words and thoughts and actions around not wanting to be a burden, not wanting to trouble someone, not thinking that it was that bad, just sort of doubling down on, on whatever it is that I'd been using to avoid that inconvenient truth within myself, like doubling down on work, on working out, on travel, on whatever it was that I do and whatever it is that you do to avoid, to numb, to distance yourself for a while from those thoughts and feelings that are within. So that numbing and avoiding often has its genesis in a belief that I am unworthy of love and support and that I'm unworthy of love and belonging. What it says is that I deserve 
the comfortable misery of whatever I'm experiencing right now because I'm not worthy of an alternative. I'm not worthy of another option. And so until everything has been stripped away and I begin to accept because I've hit rock bottom, I've endured long nights of the soul, that the misery is wor- the, the comfortable misery is worse than an alternative that requires me to take action. I will sit in that comfortable misery until I'm satisfied that an unknown alternative is better than where I am right now, mentally, emotionally, physically. I hope that made sense. Because I feel like I explained that in a real kind of ham-fisted way. But until you really believe, or not even really believe, that there is a glimmer of a belief within you that you are worthy of love and belonging, you are worthy of love and support, you're not quite yet at your rock bottom. You're not quite at that point of accepting that inconvenient truth about you or about you, within you, around you. You're not quite there yet. So I want to, at this point, say that I often summarize this as, um, and, and I'm going to use some imagery here. We're at a fork in a road, we're on a path, and there's a fork. Path goes left, or a path goes right. And left is trying again, quietly, within myself, within yourself, trying again, doubling down on work, doubling down on people-pleasing, doubling down on the things that we do to carry on. And that might be work or that might be gambling. It might be pouring another drink and hoping that the... um, that the answer is in the bottom of that bottle. It might be opening a packet of something and hoping that the answer is at the bottom of that packet after eating its contents. It might be, you know, happiness might be found after, a, after putting on another bet. Happiness might be found after um, another sexual conquest or might be found in another... Um, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Someone else might, might provide that to you. And so whatever it is, whatever you've been using to, to numb or avoid, you try it again. You go left. And sooner or later, we find that we keep on going left because the alternative, going right, is scary. We don't know what it is. So we, we continue to go left. Only going left is a big circle. And we find ourselves back at that same fork in the road. We still have that choice about going left or right. Left being the same, right being doing something differently. And right still looks kind of scary, unknown, shakes things up, challenges the status quo, potentially inconveniences ourselves and other people. 
So we go left again. And we keep on going left. But each time we go left, the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then soon, going left is just doing a 360 on the spot. But it doesn't stop us sometimes from continuing trying to go left again and again and again. And all we're doing is spinning around and around and around and around and around. That point of where we're just spinning around and around and we're exhausted, that's rock bottom. Because the only real alternative is to accept the fact that we need to go right. And I want to share with you that I always, always struggle to go right when I feel like I'm at a fork in my road. And I still struggle with thoughts and feelings of not wanting to be a burden, not wanting to inconvenience people, not wanting to have the perception that I am not resilient, I'm not tough enough. And these these kind of behaviors, these thoughts and feelings feel so ingrained that I still struggle at every time I come to a, uh, a fork in the road to go right, to do the thing that leads to growth, whatever that's, that looks like. And the first time that I can think of this was absolutely like reckoning with my loneliness. I so did not want to be lonely. I so wanted the perception of my life to be the reality, to be so utterly fulfilled and overjoyed with the privilege of living overseas and representing my country. I so wanted that to be as fulfilling in reality as it had been promised within my head. I so wanted that and I kept on going left. I thought, well, maybe I need to work harder. Maybe I need to commit myself more to the work. Maybe I need to be more perfect. And so I'd keep on going left and left and left until I found myself spinning around. And then I essentially came out as lonely. I went right. I didn't know what it would look like. I can say now, because of I went right, here I am. Because I went right, you're now listening to me all as a result of me making a decision to do something differently after a long night of the soul, after feeling lost at rock bottom. But of course they don't end there. <laughs> of course it doesn't end there. There are so many other times. There was about, you know, a really clear rock bottom for me was, well, finally reckoning and accepting my sexuality. There was, you know, so many times, years, years and years and years and years and years where I thought, no, you know what, if I just double down, if I just double down, these thoughts and feelings will go away. And it didn't. It didn't. And I was so racked by shame, so racked by shame, and that actually fed my loneliness. But it so, I so was racked by shame that I thought, no, I cannot possibly choose to go right. I cannot possibly choose to change because shaking up the status quo had real implications for people I love. 
And so I continued to go left until I was spinning on the spot on my heels with no other choice, really no other choice. I'd explored them all, no other choice but to go right. And I was scared and I didn't know how things were going to turn out. And then most recently with my job in the Australian Public Service that I recently left. And particularly that point about holding out hope, waiting for circumstances to fix it, that was me for years. Maybe with a new minister it would be better. Maybe with a new director or a new boss or, or you know, whatever it was, things would be better. Things would change, but they would Im- and, or might improve, but really the underlying tensions or underlying frustrations were always going to be there. And I realized that it was incumbent upon me to change things for myself. Those three things, kind of major, kind of big, and each and every time wrestling like with my loneliness or to accept my loneliness, to accept my sexuality, and to accept that the job that I loved and invested so much in myself was actually harming me. Those three things kind of off the top of my head, are ones that I really struggled with at rock bottom. And the bravery and the courage that it takes, it took me, I'm proud of myself for doing that. And so I really know how much, sort of how to, how, how when you are at your rock bottom and you're faced with a choice of Going left again, which you realize is not really another choice. Or going right, and right is scary. That takes real courage to be take the first step to go right. But one of the things that we need to remember in going right is that really there was never another choice. We needed to make some change. But whatever it is that you're at right now in terms of your rock bottom, know that there is help always available. Always available. And you can enlist that help to build your team. Build your team of people around you. Build a team of experts around you to help you make that change in your life to use their kind of to crowdsource their wisdom to help support and guide you as you make that necessary change in life and those those choices sorry those experts might be someone like i don't know a personal trainer if you need to make some choices in your physical well-being that might be a personal trainer they might be a dietitian It might be joining Alcoholics Anonymous or another kind of support group if you have um, an issue with substance abuse. So Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, something that can help you make change. And if there is something that's going on in your diplomatic life, there are people around you knowing that the diplomatic community is its own best source of support 
There are people around you who know exactly what it's like to live this diplomatic life. Me included, but not exclusively of me. And it takes courage to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is absolutely needed if you are to make the change in your life. And if you are at rock bottom, the thoughts and feelings of of hitting rock bottom kind of make vulnerability a little easier to do because you've all the other choice. You can't avoid being vulnerable anymore if you want to make some change. So please remember that there are no awards at the end of your life for living your diplomatic life the most solitary, the most put together, the most sort of didn't... um, didn't want to say disrupt, but didn't um, inconvenience others. There's no award for that. However, the price that you pay is your well-being, your physical well-being, your mental and emotional well-being, your social well-being. You, like, they pay the price. You pay the price for not wanting to inconvenience others, to not wanting to burden others. You're paying the price for being fearful, not fearful, being afraid. And afraid is okay. But you get to ask for help. You get to receive help because you are worthy of that love and support. You are worthy of that love and belonging. Right now, just as you are. So I appreciate that this is a really difficult conversation. I've not yet, apart from you know pouring the tea, I've not yet taken a sip of it. This is a really kind of, this is a tough conversation and I want to say thank you so much for sitting here with me. And I really do hope that, 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 this, that the content of this episode has supported you in some way. You are absolutely not alone and when we are at a rock bottom, we can absolutely feel that we are all alone. Nothing is further from the truth and there are so many people willing and eager to help you feel good to grow to evolve to be ever more humanly awesome when you take a step when you ask for the help and support that you need knowing that at rock bottom well you don't need to wait till you hit rock bottom to make those changes Again, I hope that this has been helpful, supportive, and you don't feel so alone. And if, let's buck the trend. If this content has really spoken to you, really supported you, send it to someone else. Forward it to someone else in your social circle. And let them know that they don't have to hit rock bottom before they're worthy of asking for help and support. That's all I wanted to say for this episode. If you've got a question for me or comments or anything that, you know, that's coming up for you, please reach out to me on socials. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, I'm on, on email, sort of doing it ye oldie fashioned way on, on email. So, of course, you can send me an email to admin at thelonelydiplomat.com and know that I'm right here 
to help support, challenge, and inspire you as you live your diplomatic life, wherever you live it in the world. Because I've lived it too. And I'm in the business of living my life and I know how horrid, horrid being at rock bottom is. And we feel whenever we reach out for support that others simply don't understand what it's like. I'm right here. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining me. And it does sound like you're getting ready to go. So until next time, be awesomely and humanly you. Because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally, and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.